Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Welcome back to the Decades of Strength podcast. I am Katie Crocus. I will be your host today. I am sitting here with my lovely co-hosts and friends, Kim Schlag and Marcy Nevin. Ladies, how are you today? Hi there. Good Hi, to be with you. Well. Awesome. So what is happening in the world today? Kim, let's start with you. Give us a quick update on life. Well, the most exciting thing for me is that I'm super excited that I'm reading books again, guys, that have nothing to do with training and nutrition. I love reading books. What? Morning routine. Morning routine. Yes. Like I, my entire life, like as a child, I was obsessed with reading. Like I would just read all day long. Like I would book after book after book my entire life. I've done that. But since getting really involved in having a business and studying to be a really good trainer, the stuff I read is it's nutrition, it's training. Like I've got an entire bookshelf over there of stuff. I can't even get through all the books. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like behavioral psychology, like, and I like this stuff, but I've definitely missed out on just like reading for pleasure. And so with this new morning routine, like that's what I'm doing. And I've read four books. I've read four books in the past couple of months and it's been really fun. That's wonderful. You have to share a little, like, are you sharing the books that you're reading? Because I feel like I have a hard time getting on. I love fiction, but I have a hard time sinking my teeth into something and really here. Interestingly, I haven't been reading fiction. I'm Mm. a really big fan of memoirs and um, biographies. I like to hear like what makes people tick. Me too. And so like I read Katie, I almost almost called her Katie Crocus. I did not read Katie Katie Couric's biography. I read Michelle Obama's biography. Um, I read, which by the way, none of this is anything about my politics people. I like to read about people from all walks of life, all political varieties. Um, and then the one I just finished, it's this book, this man, he was the head usher at the White House for like generations, like president after president after president. And he talks all about life in the White House from this like behind the scenes perspective. And it was fascinating. Oh. It was fascinating. We started back with the Roosevelt's and he was there uh, through the Nixon's. And What's so- that one called? Um, upstairs at the white house. Cool. I might look into that, that I'm fascinated by that, that type of reading as well. Yeah. And I like it cause it's not gossipy. It's not like him like that. He's not like gossiping about the president's family. Like it's not what it is. It's just like giving this behind the scene glimpse at history. And it was really cool. Super so. cool. Mars, you're sipping tea over there. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm hanging in. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because, uh, well, not funny, ironic. Kim stole my update because I did. You did. Well, I guess you and I are on the same page. It's a good thing because I have been starting to read more as well. And it was my, my new year's resolution or intention, I should say to read one book a month. And I got, I read the first one in January. I'm like, okay, I'm on a roll. And that one was dopamine nation, which I really enjoyed. So I think when you're liking the book, it's easier to keep going. Like I could not put that book down and I really looked forward to reading it every night. And then I started that molecule of more Katie that you had recommended. And I just like, for some reason could not get into it. Um, so I'm going to come back to it for sure. But yeah, so I kind of, I, I slowed down on my intention and it was funny. I was talking to a client about it and I said, yeah, my new year's resolution is to read one book a month. And I was like, 
And she's like, oh, that, that's good. And I said, yeah, it's pretty ambitious considering I read one book a year. <laughs> yes. She's like, yeah, that's only 1200% increase. <laughs> that's quite an increase. So, so February, March, I did not finish a book. I was a little disappointed. Um, however, I am similar to you, Kim, that I really like personal development and all that, um, or anything that is, um, you know, true stories or, you know, like that dopamination one, the molecule more like something that is going to be, um, yeah, more for like my own growth and self-development. But I was like, you know what? I need to do something in the evening because I have the bad habit of scrolling my phone in bed. It's just that brain shutdown mode. The only time that I really have to just kind of be by myself and not have to respond to everything. And so I know it is not optimal. So I wanted to get in the habit of reading instead and uh, our nutrition dynamic community that I run, we have a book club every month. So one of my teammates, she had to choose the book. And I'm like, I have no idea because <laughs> we decided that we were going to do fiction just to like liven things up a little bit. And I got some recommendations and I found this one called it ends with us. And I am obsessed. Like again, looking forward to it every single night. So that is good. And I posted about it on my stories the first night that I was reading it. And I don't think I have gotten a, or more responses to an Instagram story mm -hmm. than I did from that book. Like give so, us a quick summary. What type of book is it? Like, I know it's fiction. Like what's like quick gist. Uh, so, so this one is all about this woman and I, I haven't gotten too far into the book yet, okay. but I think what's going to happen is there's going to be kind of like a love triangle between her and these two men. So one man, one man that was in her life previously, and then one who has come into her life, uh, but apparently it's very intense. Mm -hmm. So that's the, what I was getting a lot of feedback on like, Oh, like that's not going to shut your brain off. And I had no oh. idea. Going into it. So we shall see, but uh, Colleen Hoover is the author and apparently her books are fabulous. So I'm excited. Good to know. Yeah. I, that sounds interesting. I'm not somebody who can read a thriller like any time of day, let alone at yeah, night. I don't so. do those thrillers either. I don't like true crime. Like mm -mm. I don't want Me neither. that. I know I, I got enough chaos going on right? between my ears. Like That's I don't need anything else. these days. Like everybody loves like true crime podcasts and yeah. like books. And I'm just like, I want literally nothing to do with it. Literally like Schitt's Creek or Ted Lasso or The Office. Like that's yeah. the, what I need going on in mm -hmm. my head, really. And, so and here, I'm the opposite. I love that stuff. Yeah. Wow. And, and podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I got really into this podcast called Serial about they're mm -hmm. like murder mysteries. Uh, and they were fascinating. So that serial is done so well. I listened to mm -hmm. that on road trips with my husband. That's what I, we would call like a neutral podcast, one that we would both mm -hmm. tolerate. <laughs> and that is actually done really well, even for someone like me who can't quite, you know, stomach the real gory stuff. Mm -hmm. So real quick, ladies in my house today, my daughter is home. She has COVID. She had a cheer competition this weekend. And on Sunday night, I had a feeling I tested her. She tested positive. So she's home with me for the next three days, like much to her dismay. She's like symptom-free. She's fine. But the beauty of this was yesterday she made cupcakes. She cooked dinner for the family. Right now she's working on Easter stuff for me. Like suddenly I have an assistant and I'm thinking getting older is not so bad. <laughs> Wait, how old is this daughter? She's 10 going on 15. Yeah. I mean, I swear, she, some of the girls, like once they're like 10, they can be super helpful. 
I mean, making dinner mm-hmm. that blew my mind that she just took care of that. And then, I mean, my kids have been in the kitchen with me for a long time, but to kind of just be able to walk out of the kitchen when they're in there is a new thing for me. And I'm really starting to love this, this season of my life where I'm in my forties. It's frankly a season that I was nervous about for a long time. Like when I was in my thirties, I was like, oh my gosh, no forties is thirties is, is old enough. Like I want to stop here. And in my twenties, I was like, oh my God, forties is when I start to wear like the funny sweaters with pom-poms on them. And like, <laughs> I just don't want to go there. And so it's just been such an interesting, um, I don't know, realization to feel so in tune and so aligned and so excited about where I am currently in my life. And that kind of bridges into what we're going to talk about today, um, which is the idea of aging. And I think when you're young, it's so abstract. And the idea feels like something you just don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole. And then as you're sort of in it more, it can be hard, but I personally have also experienced a lot of fulfillment. And so I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you ladies, since obviously we're all in different decades of our lives. Um, But let's, Kim, start with you. I would love to hear, um, did you have fears about aging when you were younger? You know, it's interesting. I wouldn't use the word fears. I'm going to tell you guys the story. And actually, when I think back to it, I just, it makes me laugh. this is immediately what I thought of when you mentioned to us earlier, like what some of your questions were going to be just a few minutes ago. And I thought about this when I was a teenager, I have, I don't have a lot of distinct memories because I have a terrible memory, but I have a very distinct memory of being in the foyer at my church with all of my friends. We had a huge group of friends at my church. There was probably like 15, 16, 17 of us just standing around talking and laughing after church and like making plans and all these fun things coming up. And somehow I remember it came into my mind. I saw like these older women and who knows older to me, they could have been like 35, but I think they were probably more like 40 or 50. (laughs) And you know what I remember thinking? I remember pitying them. I remember thinking how sad for them that they weren't, they weren't like with us, like that they weren't going to go out and go to the fun dance and like how sad their lives were that they were all like boring moms. And like, and I remember this definite sense of like, oh, that's so sad for them. And I like, look back now, do you know the the thing I would like to least be in this world is a teenager. A hundred percent. Zero desire to be a teenager. (laughs) But I remember thinking like, oh, poor them. What you must've had some good teenage years to be able to have even that, to be in that. I had a lot of fun as a teenager. I really did. Like my brother and I were really good friends and we had this big, we just had this big crew we hung out with and just, we did weird things. Like we would host like my brother always came up these days. He's like, let's have a spaghetti party. I'm like, what's a spaghetti party? He's like, we're just going to bring everybody over. We're going to make all this spaghetti. Like, he would just do random things. Or he'd be like, <laughs> we're going to like, he got this fake hand one time. And like, we just went out with our whole group of friends and like tried to scare people with our fake mannequin hand. We just had a lot of like kind of wholesome, silly fun. That's fun. Marcy, let me just shift the question slightly for you. When you were younger, like teens, twenties, even what did aging mean to you? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I don't even remember thinking about it in that context. So it wasn't something that was ever, uh, no, I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. Light bulb moment. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Not so much like when I was a teenager or my early twenties, but when I was heading to 30, I was freaking out. I just felt like, not like, oh, my life is over. It wasn't that 
it was just like, I couldn't believe how fast time was going Mm -hmm. and I really wanted it to slow down. So I remember being really apprehensive of turning 30, did not want it to happen. And I had actually, it's funny that we're having this, uh, this conversation because I had kind of forgotten about that. And then I was at dinner on Saturday with one of my former coworkers from the gym and we were reminiscing, just, you know, laughing and he is 40 I'm 38. And I was like, gosh, Leo, like you do not look 40, whatever you are doing, it is working for you, my friend. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, thanks. And, uh, he's like, do you remember how upset you were when you were about to turn 30? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) Now that, Mm -hmm. now that you bring it up, I totally remember that. Um, and yeah, I don't think it was because I was worried about like me slowing down or anything like that. It was just from this perspective of, wow, my life is really going by fast. And I can't believe it feels like just yesterday when I was in college to be having to be having that conversation with him. And I was like, that was almost 10 years ago at this point. And it feels mm-hmm. like just yesterday, you know? Yeah. So I, think I that's do. where I am right now. It's like every year just seems to go by faster and faster. I'm like, we're already in mid April. Like what? <laughs> when I was turning 30, it was a really sort of dark time for me for my marriage. Um, I had been married five years and I had had one miscarriage that I was very aware of. I was relatively far along in the pregnancy. I had seen the heartbeat. And from there, I struggled with infertility for the next four years. And we Mm -hmm. struggled to get pregnant with all of the invasive measures through adoption. And I turned 30 in March and I remember sitting at the table being so depressed because all I wanted was to grow my family. And I was thinking, I, I was having conversations with my husband that honey, you would be better off without me. You, you go on and and have a family. Like that's where we were in our marriage. And it was really difficult. And of course he was nowhere near that. That was just me in my own head. And the next month I spontaneously conceived my oldest daughter. And I Mm -hmm. still don't know how that worked, but the point is 30 was hard for me because I, thought I should be somewhere that I wasn't or that I, that hadn't happened yet for me. And I had recalled too, looking back over the years at at my mom too, pictures of her on her milestone birthdays, looking really unhappy at 35, Mm -hmm. at 40, even just like, it looked like it was a really sad future, frankly. Mm -hmm. And, And from, from just, again, from some of the snippets that I just picked out from my childhood, And so it wasn't until I started to embrace things and really kind of be the star of my own life. Sorry, you guys can't see it, but Katie just like dumped a cat. That's hilarious. Sorry, I'm I'm talking and the cat jumps on my desk and I have to throw him off before he touches the center. So smoothly. (gasps) He just didn't miss a beat. Marcy and I laughed. Oh my gosh. Too bad nobody was doing a TikTok or a uh, boomerang at that point, right? I'm going to like cut out this section of video and send it to you to like post on your stories. If you can, Kim. (laughs) <laughs> that would be so cool. So people could kind of see the, the bogeys that sometimes we have to, we have to work through That's funny. <laughs> to keep it going with and, and all like, of that. Katie, said, Katie, I like, think you all, get my point. Yeah. Of all people though, like, I'm sorry, like Katie, who is just so loving. So I kind know. for you to like throw that cat, just like chuck the cat. <laughs> I, think the, I think the video made it look a little more aggressive than it was. Nobody heard any 
meowing. She did not hurt the cat, to be clear. She did not hurt the cat. It's just like, she just didn't miss a beat. It was just like, scoop, throw. <laughs> just Listen, if you have a cat, you know they're going to knock over the microphone. I have a cup of tea here. Like this, it, 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 all, it was all like seconds away from going south. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my, I'm like I'm like literally crying. I have tears in my eyes. That was so funny. I, okay, I don't know anyway. how we can go on and and make this any more interesting. Wait, I have than to, it just I, was. I, I, my mind sparked with something you were saying there, Kate. I'll try and smooth this back from this cat cat escapade. Um, I remember for so like looking back, I spent a lot of my life like in my teenagers, like waiting to not be a teenager, like waiting to like go to college, like waiting to like be grown up, like, right. Like, mm. let's like do something like what's the next thing. Like I want to be able to do the next fun thing. And then like in my early twenties, like I wanted to like, I kept waiting to like life would really start to like, we would graduate. And then like, as I was in my older twenties, like waiting till I would find the right person and then mm. waiting till I could get pregnant. Like I always felt that like my life was going to start sometime else, right? Mm. And I really felt that way for, I, I can't remember when it stopped, but like, I don't feel that way anymore. And I don't know if that's just a blessing of aging um, or what it is, but like, I don't feel like I'm waiting for, there's nothing I'm waiting for. Like nothing I'm waiting for to do like what's important. Like I'm going to do stuff now. 100%. And for me, Kim, that was a very recent place that I landed. And Marcy, when I was your age, I was not there yet. So I'm very curious. Do you feel like you've hit that mark? Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that is because I have more freedom and independence. Like literally I can do whatever I want at this point because I'm not tied down. However, I will say that is something that has been hard for me recently is, you know, time kind of ticking away and feeling like I'm for lack of a better word, like damaged goods over here because I'm 38, I'm single, I have no kids. It's so like, that's been kind of hard. Cause like what you were saying, Katie, when I was 30, I was feeling good because I felt like I had everything that I wanted. Whereas in my mid to late twenties, I was dating my now ex-husband, but I was seeing all of my friends get married. They were getting pregnant and that's really what I wanted and it wasn't happening. So I felt, you know, I think a sense of like shame and embarrassment around that. And like we were saying, wanting things to speed up, like, when is that going to happen for me? It was that whole, uh, I'll be happy when syndrome. And, mm -hmm. and that was not the case whatsoever. So, you know, we finally did get married and that didn't necessarily solve my problems. I think I felt more content, like, okay, I can breathe now. Like I do, I have a house, I have a husband, you know, all of that. Like if I want to start having kids, I can. Um, and then we, our marriage ended shortly after that, you know, it didn't even last two years. And then here I was kind of like back at square one starting over. And, and I got into another relationship after that. And, you know, that one didn't work out either, um, which I, I look back and I know, in my heart, like everything happens for a reason. And there was a reason why those relationships didn't work out. They taught me a lot. Uh, however, yeah, being, you know, 38 and kind of and on my own, yes, I can do whatever I want because I have that freedom and autonomy, which feels really good. Um, but it's still hard to be in this place where like, am I going to be alone forever? And am I, am I going to have that, that big house with like the fancy white kitchen that I've always wanted, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I am now, but to your point, yeah, I'm not waiting for anything. Like if I want to go travel, I'll do it. And that feels really empowering. Mm -hmm. So I think Kim, you and I could both agree that we've reached the pinnacle of our physical fitness in middle age. Would you agree? Absolutely. 
Yeah. So me too, a hundred percent. And I think that partially plays into the role that uh, makes me feel so happy and proud and excited to be where I am. Mars, you're someone who's been doing, who's been very health conscious in ways that are, are pretty darn close to, um, really a good return on your investment for decades. Mm -hmm. Would you say that your physical health has continued to improve or has it gone down as you've aged? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question because I felt like I was really healthy when I was younger. And then it was in college when I developed my autoimmune disease. Um, and, and so then that was kind of like the peak of my health being at rock bottom essentially. And it was because of everything that I had done up to that point, you know, not taking good care of myself, not being healthy and not realizing at the time what I was doing because like, I felt okay. You know, like I, I had energy, I could get up at five 30 in the morning and go do my hour of cardio and, you know, come back to the gym in the night or at night and lift weights and, you know, still be in school, like do all of that. Um, so I had a lot of energy, but it was my senior year when things really started to go downhill. And I spent my entire twenties and into my early, early thirties, not healthy and feeling my absolute worse. Like, and it sounds like that wasn't a result of aging though, in your opinion. No, no, it wasn't the result of aging. It was the result of my, my poor decisions and how I was <laughs> treating my body up until that point. And then when I finally, and, you know, I was spending all of this time trying to figure it out and not really getting anywhere. And then once I solved the puzzle, so to speak, now I feel better than I ever have. That's yeah. And, and with, with experience definitely comes wisdom when it comes to knowing your body. And Kim, you've coined this amazing phrase that I, I use, but I realize it's yours. I, I, if you haven't trademarked it yet, you need to. And, and it's aging strong. I, I thought I was wearing my shirt. I'm not. Oh, you're yeah. <laughs> I was wearing will, you will you tell us where that came from and what it means to you? Because it's brilliant. It literally just came out of my mind one day. It may have even been in a podcast. Like what I was thinking about as I was aging, like I was really um, fixated on this idea of not just living longer. Like it's not just for me about like increasing longevity, although that's a piece of it, but I want to be able to live longer, better. And what mm -hmm. I know just from reading the science and watching older people, like to do that, we have to be able to get stronger. Like we, we need strong bones. We need strong muscles. I read this crazy statistic about, um, I, I'm going to get it out. Cause I always, I always start to say it wrong. I have it, I have it written down. Um, a 50 year old woman has a risk of death related to hip fracture during her remaining lifetime, equivalent to her risk of death from breast cancer. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Wow. So 50, uh, that's me. I'm 51 years old. My risk of death related to hip fracture is equal to my risk of death from breast cancer at this point. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. And the that's thing about crazy. that is we have so much control. Mm -hmm. over hip fractures, right? Mm. Because like osteoporosis, we can, we can really work to prevent that by strengthening our bones. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we think about getting strong bones and strong muscles and what strength can training can do to help with like not even falling in the first place. Hello, mm -hmm. like, right. If you're stronger, you're likely to not even fall. And then if you do fall to not actually getting that kind of a fracture. And so mm -hmm. for me, aging stronger is literally about living life longer, better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I think that makes so much sense. And it's interesting, Kim, that you didn't address any sort of physical marker in that definition. And so I would ask, does that have 
a place in aging stronger in terms of like any sort of physical marker. As far as like aesthetics? I would say aesthetics. I would say um, any sort of BMI. I would say, you know, strength numbers in the gym. You know, it's interesting. I think it can, but I think it doesn't have to. And Mm -hmm. it's going to vary. So I'm in this group of menopausal and perimenopausal women. It's like 15,000 women. I love this group. It's really well done. It's a Facebook group. And somebody came in there on Sunday and made this just inflammatory remark about how um, the people in the group are like fat phobic. And like all of these women are just so concerned with how they look. And like, it just set off this like firestorm in the comment section. I never commented. I just spent a lot of time reading these comments. It was interesting to hear everybody's perspective about how they wanted to age, right? And what was important to them. And I really left with this feeling of like, it's just different for, so the the other thing that this woman said is like, you should all just be happy with your gray hair and you should all just go buy bigger pants if you gain weight. And I was like, that's Mm. quite, that's quite a statement to make. That is a bold (laughs) statement. (laughs) I know. And in my mind, like, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking like, gosh, ladies, we should be able to do whatever the heck we want, right? Yes. Like as women, we're always told what we should want and what we should do. And it's been that way since, I don't know, my entire lifetime and long before maybe since the dawn of time, mm-hmm. I think we should be able to do whatever we want to do. And mm-hmm. as far as being able to look the way you want for some people, like it's gonna, and we've talked about this before, like some people, like they want to have their face look a certain way and they want to have procedures done. And if they want to do that and that makes them feel like that sense of vitality, go for it, mm-hmm. go for it. Like you guys, I'm sitting here with my extensions and I friggin' love them. Like mm-hmm. people, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I do. I like it. And so like, can aesthetics have a point, a part of like this feeling like that we're aging in a, in a positive way? It absolutely can. But what that looks like is going to be different for every person, whether mm-hmm. it means that they train to, um, be leaner, whether it means that they train, they they set up their nutrition to be leaner, whether it means that they want to build muscle, it could be any, well, building muscle is going to be a must for like just health, Mm -hmm. but like, as far as like being able to have visible, you know, nice toned arms or whatever it is you want, it can be a piece of it, but I don't think it has to be. I think it can Mm -hmm. really look different for every person. Mars, are physical markers included in your definition of health? Mm Hmm. In, in health, yes, for sure. And I would even say physical markers in terms of like what, what things look like under the hood, so to speak. Mm. So I'm a really big proponent of not just taking things at face value because someone can look really healthy. They can be lean, they can be fit, you know, all of that. And, you know, internally their body can be an absolute mess. Like their blood work could be just atrocious. You know, we, we see people who are the picture of health and they're out there running marathons and like doing all the stuff and then they drop dead. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. and you're like, how did that happen? So I, you know, I try to get blood work done at least every six months just to make sure that things are working properly. And if not, then I will address that. Um, because that's certainly, I mean, even with my, myself, I'll use it as an example. Like you would look at me and say like, oh, she's super active. Like she eats so well, she exercises all the time. She moves her body. She, she is fairly lean, you know? And, but when I was struggling with my health issues, like no one could, would know that on the, by looking at me on the outside, Mm -hmm. but you know, when I had lab work done or, you know, because I do have an autoimmune disease, um, that would show something different. 
And even recently, like with my stress being really high, my blood sugar started to spike again to like, you know, pre-diabetic range. And I, I know that it wasn't because of my lifestyle. It was more because of my stress, but that's still something that I need to get a handle on, you know? Um, but when it comes to aesthetics, like, yeah, I will be perfectly honest. I care about how I look as I get older. And I don't know if I have been honest on this podcast, but I had cosmetic surgery last year. Like I will come right out and say it. (laughs) And I have no shame in doing that. And it was because like, I, I did not feel like how I looked represented how good I felt on the inside, um, or like my energy and all that. So for me, I had, a procedure on my eyes and upper and lower blepharoplasty. So like they removed the excess skin just because like, I, I felt like I looked older than I was. I was very self-conscious about it. And I know that we, you know, all need to like love and accept ourselves and all that. And it's like, yes. And I felt like I had done the inner work to mm-hmm. love and accept myself. And this was something that I was doing because of that, you know, like I wasn't doing it so that I would love myself more. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I have done all of this already. I am at a much different place. And I even had a talk with my coach about it. You know, I said like, what, like, you know, me pretty much better than anyone at this point. Like, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, go for it. If that's what you want to do. Um, And, but I think some people do it for the wrong reasons. And part of it too, was like, I wasn't wearing makeup anymore because you know how my like eyelids were, it's like everything was running together and it was just annoying. And like, that didn't feel good either. It's like, I'm 37 years old and Mm -hmm. this is just not what I want. Like, I want to be able to, you know, take pictures and feel good. especially because, you know, yes, I do have some sort of an online presence and, you know, I wanted to feel more confident in that regard. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did that. I mean, I dye my hair. I get Botox. Like I, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm with you on that, Marcy. And I think that beauty component that we play into how, how it makes us feel as long as you are doing things that are making you feel authentic to you. I think that's fantastic. I'm the same way. I, I get Botox. I have hair extensions, but when I got the most positive feedback was when I was super lean and I looked super cut and never in my life had I gotten more, wow, you look amazing feedback. Um, and that was entirely inauthentic, but I kept striving to maintain that probably longer than I should have because of the external validation on that. And so I think in time and what's happened to me in the last several years is I really started to turn inward for validation. And, mm-hmm. you know, instead of trying to be somebody trying to be nobody. I didn't make that up. I think that's Ram Das who said that. And it really sort of um, set something off in me trying to stop wearing all these different hats and fitting into all these different roles that pleased other people and starting to do the things, the ones that feel authentic to me and being okay with the fact that they are, again, things that are purely for aesthetics. Like I don't get migraines. I'm not putting Botox in my forehead to solve anything other than wrinkles. Like that's just the, the, the God's honest truth. And I don't apologize about that because it contributes to my authenticity, it contributes to my happiness. And the flip side is the vitality that I must have for as I age. I want to feel energized. I want to be strong. I want to be active. I want to have, <clears throat> excuse me, mobility. 
I want to be able to like carry seven bags of groceries into the house so I don't have to make two trips. I mean, the, and that's kind of a joke, but I need to be able to do things like pick animals up off the floor and do things that will require me to be strong. So for me, that's really how my definition of health rolls up. Like, yes, there's a beauty component, but it's not the same beauty component that really I was fixated on in my twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that idea of authenticity, kind of guiding all of these decisions. I think it's super important. It's something I've been thinking a lot lately. I don't think this is too far off the course here. So I did something this weekend that just like I needed to do for that sense of authenticity. You know, I feel like I was at my physical peak when I turned 50. I was like, I'm gliding mm-hmm. into 50 here. I'm the strongest I've ever been. I'm in the best shape I've ever been. I think I look the best I've ever been. And then I got COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, it was literally, um, it wasn't even a solid month after I turned 50 that I first got sick. Right. Wow. And that has just done a number on me and my health is not the same. My physique is not the same. And even after starting my recovery and losing, you know, over 20 pounds last year, I still do not look like I did on October 7th. What year, what did I turn 50? 2020. Yeah. 2020. I still don't look as good right now. And it bothers me. And I go back and forth about like, what am I like? How much am I going to accept that? How much am I going to like push back about that? And I changed my mind like constantly. Mm -hmm. And after this last attempt to lose some weight and I was just so sick, not because I was losing weight. I was sick for, you know, again, with COVID like side effects. And I finally like gave up on the weight loss for now, because it's just, I can't do all these things at once Mm -hmm. on Saturday. I, so I've been struggling with showing myself on video on my, on my feed, because I don't look like I want to look like, I just don't look how I want to look. I don't look like I did when I was 50. And, um, it's like, I've got to do this. Like, I can't not, I can't keep not showing video tutorials of me working out because it's literally what I do. Like I have to do this. So I started doing it a couple months ago and it made me uncomfortable. And I tried not to show very much in my body. And on Saturday, I really wanted to show people um, the setup I was doing, I was trying to do like a, a back extension at home without a back extension machine. And I was like, I want to show everybody this. And I had my jacket off and I often wear my jacket when I work out. Cause my gym is so frigging cold, but I have my jacket off and I don't love the way my arms look right now. And I almost didn't do it. I almost mm-hmm. didn't show the video. And I was like, literally, I don't care. Like if the angle is bad or whatever it is, I'm going to show this video because I need to be authentic to what I look like now. I can't keep like keeping this like public facade of like, I look like I did a year and a half ago because Mm -hmm. this illness has really ravaged my life. And so I put the video up and it's just like, I don't know what I was bracing for, but I have to tell you, I felt so much better because Mm -hmm. it's just, that is where I'm at right now in my Mm -hmm. body. And I don't know like at what point it will change for the better, if it ever, or maybe this is what I look like. And I don't look bad. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't look bad. I'm sure other people are like, wow, like, I wish I looked like that. Like, I really wish I looked like that. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of muscle. It's just a little bit covered up right now, but it, wow, it felt so good because it felt authentic. Like where I'm at, like I am a 51 year old woman who has worked really hard to get into shape and has been devastated by a terrible disease. And that's just, that's where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And that, that's so beautiful, Kim. And it reminds me of something that Jordan Syatt talks about. And, you know, obviously you have a very good relationship with Jordan. So I'm sure you've heard him say this because I mean, Jordan is probably the most confident person that I have ever <laughs> come across. Like he mm-hmm. just does not care. And I mean, he's short, he's bald and all of that. And he's like, you know, the best way when you are feeling insecure about something is to actually bring it to light. And because yeah, yeah. then, then other people like if they call you out on it, you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? 
Um, and I think that, I think that is something really true. And I used to do the same thing myself, like before I had my eyes done when I was starting my business and Instagram stories started to become this thing. And I, like, I refused to get on video. I mm. absolutely refused unless I had glasses on or, you know, the lighting was perfect and you couldn't see what I thought my flaws and insecurities were. And I had business coaches who were like, Marcy, like you have to do it. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And I did it, you know, every now and then, and it was super uncomfortable. Um, and now, you know, I do it with more regularity, but I think it is because I feel a little bit more confident. So, you know, mm-hmm. just being fully transparent about that. But Kim, I really respect you for, for doing that because I know it's not easy. I've certainly been there myself. Uh, but also, you know, it's one of those things where I see it as a way for you to be kind of like an expander for somebody else who maybe mm-hmm. doesn't feel super great about their body. Like, okay, you know, if Kim is, not that they know that you feel that way, mm-hmm. um, but like, let's well, they will now if they listen yeah. to this. Well, yeah, they will now, <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? Like if someone's like, oh, okay, well, you know, so-and-so like she's not perfect. She has, you know, cellulite or she's not super lean and she's out there, you know, doing the thing, then that gives me more permission to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Showing up as, as my most authentic self is something that came with age. And to anyone out there who's thinking, gosh, I'm nervous about the next one, three, five, 10 years, know that the gift is confidence that comes and, and self-acceptance and becoming more in tune with your authentic self. And I don't know many 20 and 30 year olds who can speak speak on that subject the way I think the three of us can. That's really true. That's really true. And I think it's such a blessing. You know, I look back, I look now like at people who are in their twenties, even like super educated people, like people in my, in our industry. And I really respect them. And I think, wow, they're going to be so much better at all of this in like Mm -hmm. 20 years, just because of their lived experience, Mm -hmm. even though they have all of this, like book knowledge and a couple of years of experience, imagine like how great they're going to be at all of this when they're 20 years in and they understand like, because they've literally lived life. And I feel like it's something that like I bring to the fitness industry that other people can't. And, you know, once you get to a certain age, like you have lived these experiences for decades, right? You can really relate to the people in front of you because you've Mm -hmm. been there. Like you've been there, like when a parent has died, you know what that actually feels like in those days Mm -hmm. and months after, right? Like you've been there with sick kids. You've been there, like not able to get pregnant. Like you've been through all of these things that you can't have been through in your twenties. Mm-hmm. It's just so true. It really, really is. Ladies, this was a really, um, interesting discussion and, and even a little bit, I would say a little triggering for me. Like it brought up some memories and some thoughts and, and some experiences I've had in the last 20 years that I haven't thought about recently. Is there anything else that, that either of you would like to share on the subject before we close? Mm. I think we all sort of like something was brought to life in all of us that we really maybe hadn't shared on social media before. And, and that is always the benefit of having, of surrounding yourself by Marcy, as you said, expanders, people who remind you that everybody struggles and everybody experiences things, but then also at the end of the rainbow, there is going to be a reward. Hard work is always rewarded. Enduring experiences that are hard is always rewarded and maybe not quite in the way you think or hope it will be, but one way or another, it will be recognized. will be yeah. seen. And also I think, you know, oh, sorry. It, you it's first. not too late. 
you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not too late to, to yes. turn your health around. Cause Kim, you were my age, right? When you started to take control of your health and lose weight, you were 38. Weren't you? I was, I would, no, when I was thir- when I was 38, I was at the worst shape of my life. And I was still like fumbling. Like that's when I, like I did Nutrisystem and I lost a bunch of weight and I gained it all back. Like that picture of me in that blue sweater. The blue I turtleneck. I was, yeah, the blue turtleneck. That's 38 for me. Like that was like rock, 38 was rock bottom for me. And I climbed my way out of that. And by the time I was 40, I have some pictures of myself going to Hawaii. And I was like, I'm in pretty good shape here. And then I got in worse shape. And I never got back to that blue sweater, like rock bottom, but it was still pretty bad. Like I was mm-hmm. not in good shape. It wasn't until 43 that I really started turning things around ladies. So like, yeah, like that's pretty late. And even now I feel like I'm still working on this comeback from where I was at at 50. Mm -hmm. And for me, the idea of aging well is really about the word Katie brought up um, when we had the discussion of this topic, which is vitality. The idea of having this, like, I want to have the energy and the zest to do whatever it is I want to do, whether that's big adventures or just little everyday things. And we have so much more control over that than I think we give ourselves credit for. Like Mm -hmm. we don't have to be the frail old lady. We Mm -hmm. do not. Obviously genetics plays a role. Obviously like there's going to be unforeseen diseases that maybe there's nothing we can do about, but outside of that, there is so much we can do to live the kind of life we want to live. Like if you're 50, like for the next 30, 40 years, like there's still so much you can do to have strong Mm -hmm. bones, to have a strong heart, to have a strong mind. Like there, you have a lot of impact on that. And that's what I think of every day is like, how do I help myself do that? And how do I help other people do that? Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's it's independence, you know, wanting to be able to do things on my own because I've seen, you know, my, like my grandparents as they age, cause they were very active for most of my life. And then when things kind of started to slow down and, I, but I will say my grandmothers both walked a lot, but they did not do any weight training. And so they didn't have any muscle, you know, they weren't independent. Yeah. People had to help them. And like, that is not what I want for myself. I look at my parents now and they, I mean, they're 72 and 74, those people run circles around me. <laughs> they have so much energy. Like mm-hmm. my dad, it's, it is heartbreaking. I will say like, this is something that triggers me a lot, but my dad is really slowed down because he had to have a double total knee replacement in last year. And it really it knocked him down. Like it was supposed to take him out of pain and it's actually done the opposite. Um, so that's been really hard to watch. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't, I don't want that for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, Yeah. So strength training, I think is the one thing that if you do nothing else, continue to strength train that I think is there's, it's arguably the one thing you can do that will affect all cause mortality for everybody, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you ladies for participating in this conversation. I hope that we connected with some of you out there on the subject. We always look forward to you listening and your feedback. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.